0: This episode is powered by Poddex.
1: Boys and girls, welcome to Generation and Pop. Before we get started with this episode, we'll let you know this episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episodes starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you are a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience or get more engagement, you're going to want to check out poddex.com. Make sure to use the special promo code TALKPOP. That's T-A-L-K-P-O-P for 10% off your first order. Poddex are the hottest new tool for podcasters looking to have more meaningful conversations or gamify their podcasts. Simply shuffle up, ask a question, and let the content roll. Get yours today at Poddex.com and use the code TalkPop. That's T-A-L-K-P-O-P for ten percent off your order. So let's get on with the show. Hey everybody! Um, welcome to another edition of Talking Pop. I'm, of course, I'm your host, Stefan. scores join me from a remote location. The one and only Biko. What's oh, up, guys? So, as you aware, if you haven't heard last week, yeah, Biko moved. So he has left the lair, pretty much, and you know, it's been a few days. Kind of weird, but this is something you guys gotta get used to. It <laughs> like I said, that's why we're doing this whole remote thing. Especially right now with the pandemic, it's kind of common. <laughs>
0: Um, but no, things are okay. Uh, I haven't got a chance to what? It's fine. Oh, she's grabbing a stable. Yeah, Uh, if anybody is like us, uh, we're gonna be surrounded by family and all that for like the longest time. Uh, considering that it's the holidays, even though they're telling us not to uh gather together, but um, nonetheless, I'm sure everyone's gonna make the, the decision they have as to spending time with their family, but another way that I think people are going to also be us to uh, spend the time is by binging stuff and, and maybe watching a couple movies they haven't seen in a while. Uh, well, things are good. movie was a success, and, and things are moving along as much as you can hopefully expect for in Chicago, uh, but things are going good. It's uh, We got our like, first snowfall today, barely you know, like they were saying it like three inches and stuff, but um I went outside today and it was barely covering the grass. So it wasn't enough enough to even consider it snow, um, and rain But yeah it's cool we're I'm starting to see a lot of uh this is work again or things which is kind of a lot them are going out of business so it's an interesting dynamic to see downtown. have but nonetheless we're getting some very inconsistent weather for being November. Uh yeah. from rain and some, some spots. But yeah, other than that, everything's been pretty good, man. And, uh, it's just it's gonna be interesting to see how these next months play out. Uh based on like people conditioning around the holidays and what they're used to and mm. uh, I guess travel being somewhat I would say figuratively restricting than
1: what's actually uh, being executed. Yeah, because cause, uh, right now what I read, like what I saw online is mostly the, the airports this past weekend were more busier because when the CDC warned people don't travel, pretty much the airports last season got packed because pretty much everyone tried to fly out now before the holidays. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's an advisory, so it's like they're not banning travel. But that's why they saw a big increase in flights, like, this past weekend due to the fact that yeah. people were trying to fly in before. And it's, like... Which is smart on their part, right? Because, I mean,
0: you would think compared to uh, years before this pre-pandemic, you know, mm. Or pre like, most of the time, you'd always see those last-minute uh, people booking flights on, like, a Monday, the Tuesday, even the Wednesday leading up to Thanksgiving and over here. Uh at least in my, for my example or my situation, it was very, it was, it was to my understanding, at least that like this remote work is going to be, I think I fell into this company based on my experience without saying too much, but like, it was funny that my first couple of days starting was a lot of just working from home. So it was nice that like, I'm able to take these extra time to spend time with family while making it work on your responsibility. and, and like you mentioned we're very fortunate to be working during all this uh well as of now right considering we'll see how things are playing out but we're, we're essential i'm going to say essential <laughs> that means or, uh to to the way things are moving on and uh at least based on the, the what i'm seeing our we're going to be doing online stuff for a very long but i just see everything's going to end up changing yeah for the better um even even walking outside, and I know like we're one of the hot spots, so like we're taking the precautions. But like it's it's strange. Like there's still a lot of people out. On the bottom. I mean, I left yesterday at around six o'clock mm-hmm. last night. Our, there were still people all around Michigan Avenue shopping, and like there's nothing. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, this isn't going to go anywhere. So I, I'm assuming even when it comes to like recognizing pop culture stuff, like a lot, it, it seems like the entertainment side of things. Got a big much a big shock, but uh when you're out in the real world and do things it's kinda of stupid,
1: it's been as usual. And that's funny because right now it's like the biggest thing I saw right now, I was going to like the news articles right now, and the biggest thing right now is um Dave Chappelle made headlines today. He went on his Instagram how he pretty much had Netflix pull the Chappelle show from the service. Wait, it's not on there anymore? No, he requested Netflix, he requested Netflix to take it down because this is how I pull up the article. I pulled it up from Yahoo. Yeah, okay. And this is what he said. This is what and I, this is what I said. I pulled up the article. Yahoo reported it. It was surprising because uh, like he put it on his Instagram story. So let me go ahead and pull it up. So pretty much what it was, it says, Netflix is from, they should post comedy sketch series. This a show after the comedian requested them to do so. Chappelle revealed the news in a lengthy Instagram video called Unforgiven, which featured footage from a recent stand up gig. During the performance, Chappelle claimed that he never got paid after leaving the Vi- Viacom CBS on show. So, they, this is what he said, and I quote, They, which referring to Viacom CBS, didn't have to pay me because I signed the contract. Chappelle said in the video, Was that right? I found out that these people were streaming my work and they never had to ask me or they had to tell me. Perfectly legal because I signed the contract. Was that right? I didn't think so either. So that's why I like working for Netflix. I like working for Netflix because when all those bad things happened to me, that company didn't even exist. And when I found out that they were streaming to the Powell Show, I was furious. How could they not? How could they not know? So you know what I did? I called them and I told them that this makes me feel bad. And you, want, you want to know what they did? They agreed that they will take it off the platform so I can feel better. So I, So far, Netflix has made no comment on the matter.
0: Which, they... I mean that I uh, I've heard this. Uh, what, I got two things on that. Uh, one, like I've heard, uh, who, who mentioned um, people who listen to the Rogan podcast a lot. Uh, I have my own con- opinions and concerns with that, but um, he does reference this about like how Netflix it, and they're very they they've worked very hard in building up these partnerships with with uh, talent, you know, with mm-hmm. content creators, talent such as uh, Rogan, Dobre. Uh, Segura. I mean, so many comedians have their specials on there. And so when it comes to the house stuff, and he's at least referring to the contract, um, he's he's not wrong in that. And he's right, like morally, it's like the the same perspective with the law, right? Like just because it's a law doesn't mean it's morally right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like make it right. Uh, I mean, slavery was in law not even two only three hundred years ago, really. if you you look back that was legal in this country so like it doesn't mean it makes it right I like how he led with that saying but is it wrong I don't know because I'm the one who wrote the contract like I signed the contract but he said I you know and I think he's making like a a line in the sand there where he's like the difference between them Viacom and the difference between Netflix now is that they're actually taking his opinion and his concerns to heart and he's right like how the hell are they going to go and stream their stuff? i telling him. And, and and we know how Viacom, the Comedy Central will want that. Viacom is just grasping, grasping at the here to, to remain up relevant at the TV space because, frankly, I mean, TV is the old, is old news. Like, yeah. It's not the market space now. Uh, 50 to 70-year-olds who don't want to switch from a cable box and maybe your handful of College students that are getting it off of that of a TV thing like there's not a big market for that type of stuff anymore, and and Viacom being such a big player for so many years like Comedy Central dying because they can't even they don't even release like all they have is what South Park yeah even their commercials aren't that great anymore like you see people jumping to different platforms such as Netflix or Hulu or Amazon like and we see Netflix constantly providing a. Uh, uh, I guess a substantial platform that's going to help these, these guys' careers. And so for a big name like Propel, probably going to be one of the greatest of all time as far as to make a um, I think that's interesting and an interesting move of, like, publicly as far as PR goes and then Netflix for doing that, it's, uh, it's only going to make their brand stronger because like, oh, we're, we're listening to the people that we put on our platform. Yeah. So... And, you know, they got that money. So, like, they're going to do it. Like, it and I, it sucks. As a fan of Chappelle, it sucks. Because they just
1: put that shit on. Yeah, I. The, yeah, that's what happens. Is, but at the same time, it's like, I understand where he's coming from. Because he even mentioned yeah. it on Saturday Night Live. That Saturday Night Live after the election and stuff when he was hosting. He even mentioned it during the monologue. And going back to that monologue. He even said here. This is from an article, St. Marco. Chappelle pointed at it and says here. It comes that weeks after he called out both Netflix and HBO Max for streaming a show. Because apparently it's still on HBO Max and CBS um, All Access. Because, As okay. he says, Chappelle pointed to justice, the fact that the sources were streaming a show that bears his great-grandfather's name. Yet, he didn't get paid for that. And he quote, if you can see me now, he'd be probably be like, this, you know what, got got bought and sold more than I had. I'm not going to say the N-word, but it's like that's what he said. No, yeah. Yeah. So, I kind of understand, because who knows what was in that contract he signed all those years ago. Which, honestly, oh, to me, when he left, they, I don't know if there was something that when he signed it, they are allowed to use his likeness or the rights. He lost the rights to the show. Yeah. I don't know if that was, like I said, that doesn't... I don't,
0: they bought out his whole, like... I
1: don't know if they just bought they, out his like, contract, or... They
0: like I feel like, yeah, they probably weaseled in a bunch of different, like, you know, law jargon to say... Honestly, I feel like th- that was... Because th- the way you describe him, remember when he came back on that one special, he talks about it. Yeah. And how it made, why they made those rumors about him trying to defame his name. And that was because I think within that contract was basically him selling his soul.
1: I think we part- have yeah.
0: Um, marketably and, and just like all aspects of who he is as a brand, as, a, as an entertainer, as a person, I feel like that contract considered that, I mean, we were around when that when that was live going right. It was such a hit. I mean, all through high school and like, and for him to leave it all on the table and, and I love how he actually addressed it in a couple of the first specials put on Netflix. But it's that like he he said it in this poem that they show me like that you said earlier is that when he left, Netflix was the only one who gave him a chance. They knocked on his door and said, "Hey, bro, you're you're valuable still. Like you're you're a big presence in the comedy culture and." Nobody else is given that chance of why, like who leaves some dollars you know, triple figure, six figures on the table for a contract. But well, like, like you mentioned, we don't know what's said on there. It can, it made like I said, I, I honestly feel it, it was that the weight of it, it could have been more, he was selling it soul to, you know, to these media, to the media, conglomerates and, and that, and he, he kept his integrity and now we're seeing it pay off and, and I it, I, I respect him for coming, you know, being outspoken on this because it's true, man. It's got to leave some salt in your mouth. In your mouth
1: because of that. Yeah, because it's like to me, it's like, okay, you're going to stream this show to other services. You should at least get some compensation for it because yeah, it's like a, at least a residual that. check or something. And that's like, it was mostly to me, it was like Viacom pretty much saying, you know, even though we sold your show, let's make money off of this. Because, it, like I said, they're trying to build their platform and try to be almost like a rival to Netflix. But at the same time, <laughs> it's because you guys blew it. You yeah. know, you didn't stand behind Dave when Dave was burnt out and he decided to leave the show. Because like I can tell he was probably burnt out. Oh, but at least yeah. at least you couldn't at least show some support and say, hey, you know, we're sorry. We put this pressure on you. You know, we'll, we'll be behind your back. Did they do anything? No. That's why all those weird rumors started out. Bottom.
0: They kept burning out the, the cash cash. They kept poking. I mean, I was surprised to even see that they uploaded those last, uh, the, the, the first two episodes of the third season. Remember when they called it the Lost Episodes? Yeah, and they
1: had um, Daniel Rawls and Charlie Murphy host yeah. it. Yeah,
0: Yeah, and, they, and there's a thing, he already had plans but that, he already set it up, the whole thing, and I feel like that's what it, because uh, the funny thing is, uh, Neil Brennan, the, the co-writer, and um, Fantastic Comedian as well, there's all right, like, he was there along the way, and even he, he—I've heard him in a couple podcasts, and he talks about it. Uh, I think one, I know, he goes on the Breakfast Club uh, radio show in New York. Mm-hmm. He talks about it, and like because they have to ask him being next to Chappelle, what you think? He's like, I already had so much integrity and respect for him, and, and you know, taking his soul with him and not leaving him on the table as he, as a lot of people would. I, I mentioned it. He's like, as a lot of colleagues that I would have met. He's like, I would have done the same thing or along those lines of, of it'd be a hard decision to, it'd be a hard decision that anybody could have made. So much mm-hmm. on the table and then he decided to walk away and hold this, his integrity and and his values there. And, and that's what I, that's what I respect the most is people who stand by their values and the principle, no matter what the, because everybody's got that price, right? Yeah. Even then, he was like, "No, I need to." Well, they're gonna take. They're gonna own me. They're gonna own me. It's like it's kind of similar to how the music business works, the music industry. He, it was like he send that damn three hundred and sixty deal, and that's how they get you. Hmm. Advance, and with him, it's like he was turning him and Neil were turning up this great content. Two seasons, wonderful. Going into third season, writing that up, and then whatever fucking happened in that in that boardroom or executive room. Negotiating stuff, something you must like whoever was in there, you know, you fly on the wall, man. I hope he writes. Like, I'm sure there's books on it out, but I, I want to like it'd be something to revisit. It's very interesting. because it does, it does mirror the music business very like to a T. It's like man, but it's like the, the old school media head, right? Like, yeah. Times and they're afraid because they're going to become obsolete slowly but surely there's so many avenues of content nowadays and, and there's there's a space for everyone and they and these people are still holding on to that like they want to still hold on to that old way of, of uh, providing programming we'll say like it doesn't work anymore um, so yeah it's sad to see they get off the Netflix platform well um, maybe another thing too because I'm sure he wasn't gonna hear the end of it it's just some of the you know some of the material there it hasn't dated so well based on their sociological climate that we live in currently. I mean, a lot of the, i mean, even watching it a couple of days ago, some of the jokes are okay, and some of them are just like, "Yeah, that wouldn't fly anymore." But then, this is on a in a perspective that we you and I come from, where like we got the best of what we—we still grew up in that like, mm-hmm. that zone of uh, homophobic shit and, and like xenophobic stuff because through nine eleven and whatnot. And, and you know, and trans trans stuff and all that. You know, but that's if you look in the lens of today, it's like you can. Like you gotta you forget that the you know, there is progress that has been made as far as like comedy concerned but you know, and and, and, and isn't for everyone, but like it's interesting to see where everything's headed, but um like Netflix Netflix is an interesting platform in just what they what they're willing to take on, and I I hope for the best. that they don't they don't stop like their contract with Mr. Bell as far as him kind of producing content for him for them. Because mm-hmm. think like, why I enjoyed the stuff he's put out. Like I just as an enthusiast for stand-up comedy, like it's it's crazy it awesome to see that he's still doing his thing. And I mean and nowadays it's more spoken word, but it's it's incredible just uh, to see his. If, uh, being such a cultural figure and icon in, this,
1: in the realm of, I guess you could say, public restaurant and then coffee. Uh, but yeah, it's really crap. I was reading other news today and I'm Definitely. Yeah. Curious, but, yeah, because right. like I said, that's one of the things I saw on Twitter and they were talking about it. I'm like, holy shoot. And then he, like I said, it, it does have a point where, yeah, I mean, yeah, he worked on that show, but at the same time, okay. And they decide by Icon, like I said, they want to sell it off, sell the licensing. But I do applaud Netflix for responding to it. And, you know, I do applaud them for the fact, hey, you know, we have this comedian who we like working with. We have him with his specials. And we feel that he sees something that, you know, it's not right. And, you know, we got to stand by him. And just to show... How receptive and you know and responsive that Netflix is, saying you know what this doesn't seem right. I mean, if we're gonna stream stuff that he was on, he should be fairly compensated for it. And like I said, he made that point when during this monologue during SNL, it made sense when he found out that hey, they're gonna stream it on HBO Max, Netflix, and then CBS All Access. So it's like okay. But doesn't he supposed to get a cut of it, like a residual on it? At least they'll know, hey, we're going to put your old program on here, yeah. you know. Like get your get his permission saying, are you okay with it? If this yeah. is what to give you for the residuals, I wish they would have done it. Because who knows? if he, Who knows? Because, I mean, they were still showing it in reruns like Comedy Central. Who knows if, you know, if he was still getting residuals from it. Yeah, right?
0: Like, they could have. And who knows? Who's to say that they didn't even in put that in the in the contract they made' too they probably were screwing him out of syndication uh royalties it could have been I, I swear I honestly feel like you he probably still had his representation there and it still was a deal that like I don't know and I'm sure I mean he even mentions it like even his law team were like what are you doing because they're all gonna get paid right but it's like no y'all are gonna get paid but it's my ass who's getting screwed over in this. Because I mean, we saw the the, the blowback he got, at him and the fact that him like and, who honed his craft throughout the years, through the whole Rick James bit like that being like overseeing his his overall presence, he, and like I was like I, you couldn't stop hearing the impressions of people saying that the Rick James shit, and, like you couldn't like, escape it. And so that played a factor too, to where it's like, what the hell. It's like the, the Nirvana thing, how, like, Her Cobain hated the fact that, like, the like, pink spirit was just a big-ass thing, or the fact that he hated that the band was gonna get hurt. like, he didn't want the band to get merchandised in the way it's not what he's dead. Look what happened. Mm-hmm. The minute he got away, Nirvana becomes, like, the most merchandised thing. Like, dude, how many times are you gonna see that smiley face? It's everywhere, now. Like, it became the one thing we hated. The same thing with, uh... And yo, oh, he never wanted his art to be this trivial thing like find of the code. There's look what happened. He ends up play one of the biggest artists well known after it gets passed away he never it. So it's like you constantly see this. They passed away and it become a body grab. So maybe that's what Chapella didn't want. Maybe mm-hmm. it's like he's like, I don't want to become like just like this open thing, like the Rick Days, but it's I mean really like yeah you know what the high typecasting wanted to be the pigeonholed to that one thing and maybe if I had, that, that was gonna be you know the name of the house it would have been you know who, who would have known maybe he wouldn't be, wouldn't come back maybe he would have he heard about completely making this show mm-hmm. who it is still one of the best i, I don't know it's definitely of its time and it just the cultural impact in those days where it was it was a special show like it was challenging right? i mean like never seen anything like it and so it was it's incredible and so it's hard uh it's hard to it's hard to see that it's kind of getting up to but at the same time it, it off, you know making that move and I, I gotta respect both of them. fact that let's just see what he's doing like, yes who knows i mean he can put a lawsuit I'm assuming.
1: yeah i mean that could be the case too because i mean with netflix pulling it that, like I want I want to imagine some retaliation from you know, if I CS because you know when you do these licensing deals there has to be a just cause of why you're removing it because it's an agreement it's a license agreement it's got to be like a stipulation or something in there to say why you're pulling it for a reason yeah there's got to be something and,
0: and with these type of deals like there's always it's gonna go through many hands so that's why I'm very It's not a surprise that he would actually pull it. I'm just surprised that like Netflix would be so quick with it, Mm -hmm. knowing that's the case. But also very shocked (laughs) because I was just I was constantly the other day like, Oh, should I watch a couple episodes?" It's like Sunday night. I'm like, "Ah, nah, it'll be on." Like I just watch another day. Look at that. (laughs) I can fucking take it out right away. But it's it's cool. Yeah. So
1: regardless. And speaking of Netflix, you know, they just announced the day, the last day The Office is going to be available on Netflix. They said the 31st of December is the last day you get to enjoy The Office. Because next year, it's moving to Peacock, which of course is home by IMC Universal, which of course is home to The Office. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised you're going to see a big spike of binge watching for The Office itself. Unless you are one of the lucky ones that has the DVDs. Of the whole series you can watch it over and over again yeah. so i saw i'm like wow they we have a date and that's like okay <laughs> so like i said it's gonna be surprising especially right now with the hollers and all. that's all you're gonna be binging i don't even so people will be binging the office
0: so it's it, and, then, and then that's fine like i'm gonna i i can't believe i'll, I'll admit it I, I i just finished what i did uh Mm-hmm. I usually just threw them on the run and through up to Mike when he leaves. My, the the true Last Office episode, I feel like, the, the Goodbye Michael one, with season 7, episode 25, that's all serious have. I remember, or memorize it. or Season season 7, episode 23, 22, one of those. I gotta check that. But I finished that, gave it again, and went through the 8th season, and just stopped again, and now I went back and started watching the first and second season <laughs> again, even though I just finished it in a couple runs. It's just... You gotta just put something on and, and that's the one thing i'll definitely miss a little bit is the fact that like it's coming off but at the same time that's what we're going to start seeing right or, or or what we're seeing is these like cbs uh peacock streaming thing uh abc doesn't even want they're at disney but are we going to continue to see these channels kind of spread out and happen online access streaming things where people are not going to see it viable to spend that money to where, frankly, since Netflix was the big player in the beginning to kind of lead this, trend and innovation, I think that's just gonna help them. It's because they're a household name, culturally and, and technologically. And then I just, I feel like the networks are gonna always play this catch-up game. It's just too early for late. Like, what are they gonna, like who watches, who watches regular TV? When you, when you can get even your channels through YouTube, mm-hmm. right? And half the time you're just adding the programs on your Hulu subscription, or you're adding it on to Amazon, and even then, with new things getting uploaded, you can just rent it and stuff. So like, it's like you get a combination of one, we would go to sort of rent stuff in in demand, uh, and along with other programs that are already on there that might entice you. So it's like, I'm not saying we're seeing the TV get a, it's a very slow now, Beth. on TV's these big players in the, in the media world are still constantly and constantly fighting their own selves in, in innovation. And this is why uh, the content creator is, is, is very important. And, and this is the time where like independence is very important because you don't need these big things. You need a style of fan base that you can curate on your own, and those people will support you if you provide something that they're willing to consume, to, to, to right? Yeah. I, it's, it's just it's just embarrassing. Like, it, it's embarrassing to see these guys. Like, it's it's kind of almost childish because they're, they're holding on to these old-school, like, weird things that just aren't working out anymore. And if that's the case, do they honestly think that they're going to... It's like, oh, well, once Netflix gets rid of the opposite for friends, that's we snatch them up and we get... It's like, that's great and all, but do you think people are going to jump on your platform right for the one one Yeah. <laughs> right away
1: that's not gonna work <laughs> so we'll see i mean like i said there there's a list there's oh, all a bunch of films going to be leaving in the end of december so but that was one thing yeah. things i showed that was like the biggest notable thing was the office leaving on december 31st is the last day it's gonna be on netflix so one thing i, I do want to jump into the mandalorian oh, yeah. for the latest episode um because apparently the one thing it's funny The one thing that stood out was not the concept of the episode. I mean, the episode was good. But the one thing that stood out was... Apparently, it's become a meme to a point that people were going to cosplay it. They started making mock figurines of it. Was... Getting into the episode, which... It's called The Siege. Um, Pretty much, you know... Mando and the child, you know... They get, you know... They get back to you know. They're traveling the Corvus and they get sidetracked, so they have to stop and get fueled up and everything. So they end up stopping where they were before. They end up meeting with grief and meeting with Car Dunes, who becomes the marshal of um, of the town. You see, Car Waters make his comeback, his return as well. So he's directing the episode, and you know. They end up taking a break, you know, for the ship to get refixed again. Because the ship's all messed up and everything. And, um... Because oh, thanks to okay. the shoddy work from the previous episode. Yeah. And, like I said... So we do that. So, um... Grief has, like, he asks, you know... He and Caro ask, you know, Mando, if they gonna help out with something. To so do this mission where... They gotta go after this, this old Imperial mining base. That's on the outskirts. And of course, he decides to leave the child with the school to get taken care of. And, and then you know, also you see that one dude make an appearance that almost like that blue bluegill guy who was like previous like bounty. He's, just, he's working for grief now, so as a bookkeeper, and he's paying off his debt in years. <laughs> he's like, you owe me another few years or something.
0: Yeah, like it was like.
1: Yeah, and depth. I'm like, holy crap. So he ends up leaving the child. He told the child, leave him at the school because, you know, we, because we leave him at the school because, you know, don't take the child for business and stuff. So he ends up leaving the child at school to see one of the cheesiest things ever. So they're going to the school, and in the course of course, the program is so he gets puts in there, all the kids are, like, staring at him, like, oh, my God, he looks different. Now, all of a sudden, you see this kid eating. I want to see their blue macaroons. Come on, they're macaroons, guys. Yeah. And it gets to the point where we get this little thing where we're freaking the child's looking at the macaroon like he wants it, like,
0: eh, I want it. And like,
1: he's asking, he's begging for it. And the kid being a jerk as it is, he's like, I'm gonna give it to you. I'm like, here, get your own. And it's funny. And we see finally he uses the force powers. But. Yeah, like a- for, to get the freaking pack of cookies, man, it's just, oh my god.
0: Hey, Ryan, they, that's, that's like one of my gripes going into the second season, is like, he had his own comedic bits, but now they, he's, they like fully went in on, which that Disney does, is, is picking up this cutesy stuff with the, the guy, with the child, and that's fine and Danny, but like that whole episode, that was all he was in, really, was just him was him eating the, the macro the blue macaroon having that and then at the end when they leave and he's in the plane with man with Mando again and he's he spits up the, the macro. <laughs> but he's he's in the episode for a lot a lot shorter than compared to the last two, which is fine. Um, I
1: mean I like for fact he's doing more he was, that he's moving away from being just limited to the pod itself. So I do yeah, appreciate the fact yeah. what they're trying to do, especially in that part in the beginning where Mando's trying to show him how to like move the wires and stuff, so basically showing him how to fix the ship a little bit. So I think that's what it is. I understand what they're trying to do is try to, yeah, it's an amateur puppet. but I think they're trying to do is give him more range, make that character give the child more range. Like he's learning, he's a kid, I understand, but it was kind of a little cheesy. Is oh, he uses a sports bar to get a bag, a pack of cookies, man. It's like, but it's still funny. I still find it a little hilarious, but at the same time, I'm almost so annoyed. Because the fact is, okay, got these force powers, but again, get the co- I want the cookie. I'm like, okay. Well, it's very yeah. They use it for like the most minuscule things,
0: and then when there's actual danger around, when in the first season he was surprisingly he was used the force actually for crazy stuff, mm-hmm. and then here, like he even throughout the first and second episode, like yeah, he's a child, but they make him utterly useless. Like, and compared to the first season he had, we had we knew a little lot less about it, but then he would show his force powers and different things. He didn't lift up a tank, like, and we're over here watching him struggle to, to move the sleeve across the way from a desk from a kid who was eating it, like, now they reduced him using the force for comedic stuff, and that's fine. It's the QC stuff I get because it got so toys, but holy shit, like, it's very inconsistent for doing a couple episodes in the second season, and considering it's a shorter season, you would think—I don't know—I'm getting the child is to me when I'm watching. It's more and more like it stops the pacing.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we got to add a comedic thing
0: here, alright But like, we didn't need that. And when it's overshadowed by a lot of a lot of different actors and these different episodes that we see, to where like they have good on-screen personas and they do well because they're all very great. Talent character actually. I mean Timothy Oakland oh, like they're Great and his character. I want to see more of him. Carl Weathers, you know, and his character. And it was nice to go back to them and seeing familiar faces, but we're back to the same shtick of Mondo gets to a place, needs some needs to get more information. Scratch your back, I scratch yours, talk deal. Leads to other chaos, but then ends up the mission getting accomplished. And that's fine. We're mm-hmm. like the 30-minute episodes of the week before compared to this other one, I do see the storyline moving up a little faster.
1: Yeah, I think it, it started, like, the pace started going I in think, more.
0: Yeah, there was, like, at least in the first season, it was a little bit of that, but it was, you know, it ebbs and flows a little better. This one, it's been very, like, linear, one-dimensional in the sense that, like, we kind of, it's like, it's becoming a long order thing. <laughs> procedural. Procedural. Uh In that sense, but... I don't know, what I did like about that short episode, though, is that they, they introduced us to a lot of different plot points that they can expand it. And then we went from that to this one, where this isn't the case. It's like a whole other, where, where, it was like another little slowdown, oh, yeah. but it was necessary for where he had to get to the, to the next area, because we yeah. got to see that, how that area turned out. Um, I don't know if you saw the other day, I know it's a sidetrack, but it had to do with Mary Lorin.
1: Oh, Oh, yeah bring her down they're trying to cancel her too because some she was tweeting some anti-mask oh show. about gina carano how supposed yeah, the comments that she made they're trying to get another are petitioning disney
0: to take her off of, uh, this to write her off or, i'm like this, yeah because she was saying some anti-mask and anti rhetoric on her twitter or something like that and i didn't read into it so i'm just like oh, okay i just it, it popped up
1: um, it's a person's opinion It's like it, Everyone has their opinions On certain things That people don't agree I don't know why it's, like People get crazy like that Well it's It's somebody's opinion So But You know I understand Because the way Their association is With the show I can see why They're going after Or yeah, that But it It's awesome just an opinion like, But what about The other people Out there That are against Wearing masks And stuff How come you don't Go after them And you have to isolate this one person Just because They're a high profile former, yeah. you know, MMA turn actor, you going after them, which to me, that's cancer culture, but going back to the episode, yeah. I like for the fact that, you know, they go to this mining town, and mining facility, and the whole thing is the core, they want to shut the core down, like, blow it up, and we finally get the 6 troopers. Yeah, it was, it was definitely, it had the um, Carl Weathers feel to it, it was definitely
0: felt like he, he, <laughs> he wanted to make it seemed
1: like it was an action movie, yeah. I kind of like this is like the most, I don't see this is one of the most action packed episodes of the season so far. Yeah,
0: was really funny.
1: It, was, it was good, it was definitely a very good movie. I like to do the key references where they had to go shut the core down and how oh my god, there's no railing. The guy, the, the guy, the blue guy played by Horatio Sands, which I didn't know who was, it was him at that time. trying to recognize the voice, yeah, I and then when he's trying to cross around that thing, kind of reminds me when Obi Wan in episode four had a go around that railing just to shut off, like, the and the tractor beam. So he had to do the same yeah, thing yeah. and overload the core. And it's he's like, I'm surprised they don't have a hammer for this thing. And he's walking around. And, like, that was a little funny thing about it. This doesn't make sense. How can you work in a place like that that doesn't even have safety? Come on, Empire. Come on. Don't you have, like, safety standards or inspectors? It, made, it, made little,
0: uh, it, it, it was like freaking watching. It, it was like a nice little buddy. It was like watching a lethal weapon type of aspect to it. And, uh... But that's the thing is that they play very well. It's it's just with Gina Carano's character, and I think it's just because of her acting. I don't know, but it's very she's not the she's not the best. It, it just comes off very stale and dry because like she, she's sending her points, and it, it just doesn't it doesn't come off fluid mm-hmm. compared to you know, some of the actors that she's working with. And I like everyone's different, and it could be we write they write it, but. It, 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 she sticks out like a sore thumb and even that last part at the end of the episode when she's talking to that one of the rebel pilots that the officer the, the officer pilot whatever and he's like you know I've seen your record and stuff and that last like a good two minutes and that was like, the last scene of the episode and it was like a little send off to her of, like well you know she's maybe done but at least we have an idea where she it'll
1: but out. I think she didn't take the job I think she's going to stay as the marshal of no, the telescope right, yeah but that's the
0: thing is that like that way they don't have to use her ever again. it's like, oh, it's cool. No, we'll
1: probably see her again, it's just not gonna write her off yet, but Right, but if considering how
0: this uproar happened on Twitter or whatever, if that's the case, they don't have to there's not a lot they can work with at that point to where it's like, oh but well, they can write her off and say, you know, oh she decided to take up that offers You know, the, the way they made it seem, but even that came off very like unnatural shit. And it just I'm not saying that first season wasn't like that either, but it definitely she sticks out. Like a sore thumb, because not all these wrestlers or MMA fighters, wrestlers, whenever people coming from different things and then going into the acting game or and some are, some have the chops and some they just stick out like we, we don't go do far like Dave Batista he you know I give him kudos because he went through the acting he's hired an acting coach all that shit and he's and he's gotten better throughout the years even his stuff. So, like, I give them that. Like, there's some who are just like, what the hell? Like, uh, mm-hmm. I've heard that, like, Ronda Rossi, she did some homie backing for a video game that was just not good. And so, like, we see these, some of them have it and some of them don't. And, and, and frankly, that's so that's when I think like, I gotta give the actor for that. Because it's not easy. People think that it's easy, but it's just not. Um, and, and for something like Star Wars, you gotta really be like, got to really invest yourself in it uh being a character actor and stuff like that and so i think it, it, that episode definitely gave me like a lethal weapon type of look to it <laughs> mm-hmm. um more actual man though it, they they all utilized each other very well so like as far as carrying the story of, of moving along it's like a half weeks of that it was it was also nice that they used a the familiarity of, of knowing where uh Mas- Gideon, Mas-
1: Gideon. Moff Gideon, yeah, Moff Gideon. Moth off- Gideon, there you go,
0: like, we, we get that. Oh, I yeah, then it. we, the one
1: when thing, like yeah. We get that a little bit towards the end,
0: which Yeah, is
1: what I like, the one thing that shocked me was a little homage to what, um, almost that, it kind of ties to what the, oh, with the, the recent, you know, trilogy of the films was the fact that we see that little hologram and it's the scientist. When at one point in the first season where they took the child, got a sample of his blood, but wasn't enough, they were trying to make their own Jedi. Like, they're making their own, like, yeah. mini chlorians and make their own Jedi. We see those clones, almost like these clones are growing, like they find it in the lab and try to get the data. Of course, you know, since they invaded the base, of course, they deleted everything. Yeah. But they were able to uncover at least that one hologram. And you could tell it was a one-ended conversation because it was mentioned to Moff Gideon that he... The, the blood of the child wasn't enough. Because they were trying to grow their own Jedi. They were trying to grow their own Jedi or Sith, basically. Mm-hmm. They and... Get and, of course, we see a glimpse of Moth Gideon's armor, which is almost like a Darth Vader-inspired armor. And, of course, the black trooper armor. Oh. Which, like I said, I'm not familiar yeah. with the black trooper armor Some um, death troopers. Yeah. Death troopers, it's that, called.
0: Which is... And it's nice because they're still keeping them uh, as a menacing force and and you can still feel that and what they also Well, that's what I like is that they They did spend their time trying to still keep up with the main story arc that they're building and Kind of tying it around to what the Sith or at least the remaining of the Empire Have up their sleeves and it's it's awesome because that's when the Dark Saber is going to come into contact and come into play as well, how they're able to get all these, get all these canon plot points from the books, and all that stuff, to get it onto the main,
1: main canon, yeah, main, the main story, like the big, big story,
0: people who could be casual fans, to get more interested in the, the lore of, of Star Wars, and not just being focused on, uh, I guess, as the latest being the Disney trilogy, and, your opinions are your own, and, so we get that, and moving on to, you know, this type of, this type of show, and, and, and I keep forgetting, because it is a show, it's not, we, it can't just wrap up everything
1: right away, no, 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 there's so much oh, to build yeah. upon, yeah, it's just so much to build upon, but it's, like, introducing all these elements, it's just to make this yeah. story more interesting, more grasping, more, you know, get the audience's attention, adding more to the lore, and, you know, branching it out, basically. Because it gives you a glimpse of what happened after the original trilogy ended. That's, this is what I like about this show, that you get more of the insight. I mean, it kind of shows that not all of the Empire went away, there's still remnants of it. Case in point, Moff Gideon is one of those remnants, one of the former generals of the Empire under Sidious. So you get to see some remnants, like, yeah, it was still going on, but you can see from the rebel standpoint, you know, the New Republic, they're still like, you know, they have to pick up the pieces. Yeah, you took out the emperor. Yeah, you took out Vader. But at the same time, you still got to build the pieces. There's still remnants out there. Yeah, that's why you got like the X-wing, like the rebel, like the new new empire, the new republic on pilots flying around. They're trying their best to help police the planets. You know, now know. Hey, we're we're out here. We're gonna need your support. We need your assistance as well because now that like new regime is taking over, it's going through that rough transition. But there's still. Pieces of the Empire are still out there, and that's what with is that example. There's still remnants out there of them. And one thing that I saw from this episode, which I did not see, but apparently some eagle eye fans saw that apparently in one scene, one of the crew members in the background, known as the Jeans Guy, apparently made an appearance. So basically, Mando made a Game of Thrones. I don't know if you remember the last year when the last season of Game of Thrones. And during one scene, an actual Starbucks cuff was on the table. Oh, yeah. So apparently, you can go on Twitter, and there's a scene where you know Ma, um, Cardoon, Grief, and Mando are shooting at the troopers. In the background, you see a guy. You can already see the guy, but you see him sticking out like a sore thumb. You see part of his shirt and a bunch of jeans, and he's sticking out behind the green behind the background. So either that crew member forgot to move out of the way or something. It's only for a split second, but somebody actually if you go on Twitter or even go on Google and look it up and it's like jeans guy. Apparently, it's already gained a lot of attention to the point where people are saying who's going to cosplay G- you know jeans guy for next year's Comic-Con. Um there's already figures being made. Of them. I'm like, "What the fudge?" I'm like, "That's your big takeaway?" So they're like, "Oh, Mando pool, game of Thrones. <laughs> so it's like, "Great." But that's the one thing apparently that stuck out to everybody was that yeah, a crew member who worked on the show forgot to step out of frame. It happens. You always get blunders that make it a TV. It's like you're gonna night live, it's like you see shows, it's kinda of hard, you know, the sustained character, especially doing something live. Even old I mean, programs, you can probably win old programs and record live in front of the studio. Honestly, oh, unless you can see yeah. sometimes you can see the boom actually make an appearance once in a while.
0: Well, and that's the thing, is that also with with the internet being such a, a prominent force of, of content and consumption, and we everything's everything nowadays has to be like you can't show any rawness, you can't be anything sticking out because the internet will take it over. And that's the thing is that we're just seeing it like you can pull the curtain on a lot of shit; and it becomes unreal. So I think with a company like Disney being so prominent in the culture, with things being a certain way, like, they never thought, especially with these being such cultural shows, they never think that you can find such an amount of, you know, any threat is loose, you, can, you know what I mean, so, like, when we see a game of Thrones show, there's a fucking Starbucks cup or a water bottle, whatever well, the case may be, ah, 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 like, it breaks reality, right, and that's funny for two minutes, like, that's the thing, you give the internet an inch, and it'll take a mile, and it. it always wins, you're like, you're gonna constantly see that this
1: yeah, you oh see, this God. is the, the screenshot.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. You see, that's not even that bad. You, you catch a glimpse of it, but, like, it, it, it's those little thing, I guess. You know, it's, it's something that people always pump fun of. It's like a real-life
1: meme, right? Yeah, it's become a meme to the point where it's like, okay. But it's it just funny. Even um, Carl Waters went on there. Even he replied on Twitter saying, oh, a bogey. <laughs> okay, so it happens, you know? It just happens, but it it's it is what it is. You know, not every production is perfect. It's already to the point that Phantoms start like, and somebody went on the fan side apparently made a fake profile for. It. It says here, Admiral Jeff Blue Jeans was a military officer who fought with the Empire on several occasions. The entry he reached before was pulled by Wikipedia's admins. Known for the strange look of a T-shirt and blue jeans, he was a cunning warning respecting respected individual. So it's like. This is from uh, DentonGeek.com. I'm like, what the heck? So, so, apparently, yeah, so I made a mock-up of the Kenner figurine with the jeans guy sticking out <laughs> already, so it's kind of funny. I'm like, oh, my God. It's like, I don't know, man. It's like, it's funny. People can make a... Well, that's the thing. people can make a meme or anything, and then they just... They run along with it, and, and that's... God, I, that was the only thing that stuck out in the
0: episode. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I... I don't. I think Carl Weathers did a, a a good job in the sense that he directed a movie or an episode, which is typical to one of the movies he started, and, and, and I, you can see that influence in there. And uh, just the way they work, he works very well. Um, I I like how they used him to be like a staple character in the series mm-hmm. as a way of, of the going back. He has like he looks like the guy that he can count on. Uh, for these type of missions that uh, has this integrity intact. even for considering that the last season was always a uh, up and down but it's nice to see that he's like a him and um that the mechanic woman out out in the spot mm-hmm. like, those are the two that i like that they they keep recurring because they all play their characters very well um, and they, they're definitely, they feel like natural for the Star Wars universe. It's just some of these other ones are just very like, ah, uh, they'd tick out. Yeah. But that's also why it keeps the show fresh. I mean, maybe not for I just, I want them to stay away from the procedure of him always, you know, oh, I get to a new spot, you gotta know, scratch this person back. You know, very western, mm-hmm. typical, which is fine. It works for that. But like, every episode, I want it we never got that in the first season. It was definitely different. He's different types. I mean, it went from him being alone, going against one enemy that ends up being the enemy of his enemies, like going from there to them, him being like on a heist mission, with just him with a child trying to escape something. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, even that Merc episode when he was with the Mercs and then it's up towards the end that the guy screws them all over mm-hmm. and ends up, like that was dope. like in the sense that like we saw him working with another mercenary network that knows of him in the past the guy that was in Sons of Anarchy is in there
1: yeah
0: it wasn't until later on so like even with that episode we got a different type of feel and with this it's just kind of you know it's I thought that episode from this season when he meets those other Mandalorians from the, Sie- the Siege episode with us, the episode before that mm-hmm. we we're going to get a little bit of that same type of feel. You know, I like the way it went a completely different route, which, uh, Favreau's doing a good job or whoever's writing for these screenplays, it's, they're, they're throwing little hints here and there. It's just, yeah. uh, and sometimes it's just in opportune moments when the episode's about to end and you're like, damn it! <laughs> it you, know, you gotta wait till next week. But, uh, that, maybe that's what's also keeping relevant, them relevant too. Um, I don't know, I'm sure they lost a lot of, like, Artwork fan people from these last trilogy, mm-hmm. their trilogy is what they call it. But um, I don't know. i i I still look back on that. It's it's definitely a little blip in the Star Wars history that I don't know of so far. I don't know. I can't I can't be on that bandwagon and accept it. Yeah, but that's just because I don't know. I, I there's things to appreciate, but overall, I just think that Disney is mucking it up a bit. And, and maybe they're mucking it up because they want to put their Disney-ish factor onto it. I don't know. Um, but overall, I think the episode was good. I'm excited to
1: see uh, well, the, where they'll end up. Maybe hopefully we do back. Hopefully, we do see a Sukotado, hopefully, for this next episode, yeah. which I'm thinking is what's going to lead up to. Hopefully we do finally see her, um, see what she's been up to. Like I said, I got to go back and watch Clone Wars and then watch yeah. Rebels because you see more of her in Rebels a little bit. As well, so that's why I gotta see that those as well, just to get caught up and see where she's been at that time, because that's the whole thing right now is to kind of find her. So yeah, I mean the episode to me wasn't that bad. It was a job. But I enjoyed the accuracy. Was just, yeah, there was some comedy there with that blue face dude, and then, and then of course the child being you know the child. So it. It, to me, it's it was still an okay episode. I mean, we got to see some new vehicles, and we got to see the speeder bikes again. That was kind of cool. We haven't seen those speeder bikes since, like, you know, Jedi, when they were flying through the, the forest, Moon event doors, so we got to see that, so it was kind of cool. They always,
0: and that's the thing, their action scenes are always well done, and they're always nice. And
1: we keep forgetting, this is a TV show that's kind of weird. It's like, it, it, it feels like a film, but it's like a TV show, but it looks so good. Especially for the effects they have to use. But like I said, it it is a good job. And the artwork and the music are phenomenal. So like I said, I'm looking forward for this week's episode. See how it goes. So, um, One thing I do pull up. This is a random article I just saw. Apparently, I just pulled it up right now. It's from CNN. Yeah, this is CNN. Okay. So apparently, a monolith was discovered in Utah. Like a strange monolith was found in Utah, so it kind of reminds you of 2001: A Space Odyssey. And this is an article approval from CNN. it says here, a shiny, eerie, symmetrical silver monolith found in the Utah desert has everyone screaming ET. The truth is likely far more terrestrial. This uh, and it's here the references is referencing kind of like a 2001 Stanley Kubrick's 2001: A Space Odyssey. And they say we can safely say this real life monolith was not the work of aliens. <laughs> And they're saying they don't know who made it. No artist has publicly claimed it. And when Utah officials stumbled upon it, it was unmarked. Is from the article, but we can safely assume that the artist was not an alien. Humans are clearly capable of building rectangular pieces of art, said Jason Wright, a professor of astrophysics at Pennsylvania State University and director of the university's extraterrestrial intelligence center. Says that a monolith is clearly a sort of thing humans can, can and do make in the place where humans go. Right, said indeed, desert art is common in the American Southwest. So I don't see any reason to think it's anything other than that. And then another the question is why is it in the Utah desert? And supposedly, Hunter has a theory parts of 2001 were filmed in Monument Valley along the Arizona Utah border. He said, so it's possible that the artist wanted to honor the film and place a real life monolith in a similar locale. So that could be the case, too. So right now, it's there in Utah. They're still investigating, but so far, they said like, no one has claimed it it's one of those like random things where it's in the, in the middle of the middle of the desert in utah so i kind of figure i pulled it up. just i don't know it's kind of like i said it's like kind of like one of those weird things
0: yeah and on top of uh an already quite an already quite chaotically weird year for for you to be a human in this civilization um it was it was weird i uh Another set, I want to say kind of a sad. No, I was, when I was on my train right over here, I uh, pulled out and I went on an Instagram and there's an electronic producer actually they just reported he passed away today. Um, he's on Denmos's Mouse's label, Mousetrap. Um, he's, he was, uh, I don't know if is related knows about him, but uh, his, his producer name moniker is I-O. It's like I underscore O kind of looks like a smiley face. But he did like a lot of techno mixed with a lot of acid house and he was pro- prominent under mouse Trap, and uh and they just reported um uh, his his management team reported that he had passed away that they lost a soul and i was reading I was like wait you can't get me and said and i was like, yeah, because like i was getting his music and uh he was making big strides the past community and to be on a label like that i was Important to me as the producer, in when they're on um, the music battle, and I just think he was my age. He was really turned thirty. He was throwing the lights, you know, lights. Uh, he did started to ride. He was climbing a lot with music, a lot. I don't know this time. i what the case was. Mm-hmm. Um, his team posted something on Instagram saying, you know, on November twenty-third, so yesterday. They, they report that he's passed away. But they don't, I don't know if it was by suicide, I'm not sure, but, mm-hmm. you know, they're running the family group during the time, and it's sad. It, uh, it's sad you used to see, then, you know, we're heading into the holidays, and it, it's a pretty sad relief, you know, and, and enjoy joy to go around R.I.P. I um, it, it, it was really nice to see a lot of uh, different musicians and artists that they collaborate with them. They will probably about it very sadly. Like, it seemed like it's definitely had a good soul and was uh, they, from the company that were saying that like, was very raw and honest. And I think that's very We get that uh, It's very rare, um, And I tend to resonate with those type of characters. You we're know, pretty honest with themselves, So it, it's it's definitely that go um, you and know, I hate that like, every time I have to tell you, to somebody, right? Like, somebody just, sort of like, prominent or whatever the case may be like, in the secret experience code that, like, may have pressed along a lot. But if that's what I'm going out here on, uh, with everything being so crazy, like, you just don't know. So, uh, yeah. definitely, you know, people, if you're, you know, mental illness, uh, please, please know uh, that you're not alone in this. There are others who may. Have, provide resources that can help you and, 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 you know the holidays coming up it is tough and like you know, like the thing that they're going out it it's tough to, for a lot of people who, to see a bright spot so just you know take care of everyone mm-hmm. be be grateful every day and, and, and for what you have it's like you know it's yeah. make it. so. Mm-hmm. with that I mean I don't know I uh uh didn't have a life pro tip. Mostly, I, I guess I would say, like, the life tip of the day would just be, you know, uh, uh, just be humble and grateful for the things you have. And, and you're, you know, uh, just be grateful for, if you, well, you've got to have a good relationship with your family. Definitely don't take that for granted. Uh, definitely share your family for what uh, they are. Very thankful. With these holidays and it's just and with everything going on, let's just make sure that that doesn't stay away for the future. And that, uh, communities can be important. Uh, we can't let's not forget that, that we all are in this. Community. It's hard to see that sometimes, but we are.
1: Okay. Um, recommendation, I will say, for, for this week, I'm not going to recommend anime, which is, oh, what? I'm not going to do it. It's because this past Sunday... Pretty much a part of my childhood. I know he was a part of your childhood too, Biko. The Undertaker, after 30 years, uh, being with the WWE, has called a career. After 30 years, you know, this past Sunday was Survivor Series. And, of course, this marked the 30th anniversary of the debut of The Undertaker back in 1990. So, after 30 years, you know, if you haven't seen the last ride documentary, definitely check it out. It kind of gives you that last dance type of vibe. Because this is the first time, you know, Mark Calloway, the Undertaker, one of those old school wrestlers, who finally, after last year, finally broke kayfabe and allowed to do these interviews as himself, and he allowing these documentary crews to come following around to his through his career, and because that said, that documentary went like three years because they followed him like three years, where to the, up to the point where he decided, you know what, after the career, I'm gonna call it, and. It just hit me hard Because it's like This is a guy He came out tell tonight So that's 30 years Of my life Was dedicated to Watching this character Evolve From being You know Just this guy That I hardly spoke Or anything to You know Upgrading his character Doing these things That you know For a big man Do these athletic moves Working with different wrestlers Like Shawn Michaels Bret the Hitman Hart, You know Stone Cold Steve Austin Mick Foley Triple H Ric Flair you know Jeff Hardy. You know these guys. He helped. You know help. You know help them out. But also at the same time, staying loyal to one company. Even though he broke the indies, he started with World. Class, he started with in Texas under name Texas Red. Back in you know World Class Championship Wrestling under with Devon Eric's, and then he, of course went to WCW for a spell as Meek Mark Callis, and of course um, he ends up going gets out of work, he gets let's go, and of course he gets a part in Suburban Commando and thanks to Hulk Hogan because that movie came out early in 1990, thanks to Hogan got called Vince said, hey, we need to hire this guy, this guy is good and he got brought in as the Undertaker and of course they did talk about Paul Bearer because if you watch um, watch The Last Vibe also watch Broken Skull Sessions with Steve Austin because he interviews the Undertaker and he does another interview with Taker so he gets more stories with them. and he don't goes in depth. He talks about you know how he's feeling. You know he feels good now, but he's like mentally I'm okay. You know I would like to go, but physically my body can't keep up anymore. So it was you know like I said it hurt it hit me hard because like I said this was a wrestler that I followed in my childhood, and like I said the matches that I do enjoy and I do recommend you guys check out is of course his first debut at the 1990 Survivor Series as part of Debiosis Millionaire Team. We took out Hogan's team. And of course, the year after, when he fought Hogan for the championship in 91, then of course you had um, Taker, you know, another good match was Taker versus uh Shawn Michaels at the first Hell in a Cell, Bad Blood 97. And then of course, Kane and Undertaker at WrestleMania 14, when they first fought each other. And then, like I said, he's a guy who also brought Kane up because... There's a documentary... There's a bunch of Undertaker documentaries out on the WWE Network. So definitely have the WWE Network. There's a lot of stuff with Taker. There's a lot of good matches. And I like the way they have it set up. They got these documentaries out. They have one with the Birds of Destruction. It talks about how... About, you know, Glenn Jacobs, who, who... Undertaker actually helped out. Because... It helped him out with his career as well. And how, you know, he... Pays homage to the Undertaker as well. And it was kind of cool that Sunday night... After the whole All the matches In the Survivor Series To dedicate the last Like 30 minutes To The Undertaker And they had all the The um, wrestlers He followed with Over the years Make an appearance Even members of The Bold Street Crew That was the clique They had backstage Because back then They had all their Little cliques You know Guys that hang out With the boys Undertaker had The Bold Street Crew Which was him Kam Mustafa Who was known as The Godfather Henry Godwin Savio Vega Rikishi, who was Fatu at the time, Yo, the late Yokozuna, was part of the crew, and he always hanged out. And then, of course, you had to click back then, you had Shawn Michaels. And you know, what they did is, they brought these guys out, I'm like seeing most of the Bosa crew, of course, you know, Yokozuna passed away years ago, but um, Booker T became part of the crew afterwards, When because Booker T members that, um, because, uh, remembers when Booker T came from WDCW to WWE, he was ostracized by the locker room because they never thought he was a big head. Undertaker walked on with open arms. It was wanting to help him out. And he became an honorary member of the crew. And then, um, but seeing like Henry Godwin in Median, like the Godwins look so old, Kevin Nash, you know, him and Undertaker had a good rivalry, you know, Diesel. Um, like I said, Ric Flair, he helped out Ric Flair. There's a story about um, it was in the Broken Skull Sessions where pretty much, Rick Flair when he came to WWE after being with us there for a while, and Vince asked Taker, "Who um, do you have anybody lined up for me WrestleMania 18?" And Taker said, "I want to work with Flair," because they gave him a choice either RVD or Ric Flair. He's like, "I want to work with Flair," because he still sees he still sees Rick Flair as the greatest of all time, and I think I agree with him.
0: Ric Flair
1: Flair is the goat, man. Honestly, Ric Flair is the goat.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you... The way I see it, if you got your name is getting sent, it's like uh, that transcend, not even... Like, if it gets into a rap song, and the way I call it, that's when you become, like, cool. Like, the only guys that I ever get seen referred to in rap songs are, like, Ric Flair, Undertaker, gets referred to a couple times... Obviously, Hulk Hogan throughout the years. Uh, in where hip hop was in, in its renaissance was getting mentioned, and uh, uh, I, I don't remember if they ever mentioned The Rock. I'm sure they have throughout the years, but like it's it's uh, it's like you're watching you're watching somebody who it was like watching The Last Dance for you. And you know? it's like The Last Dance being uh, you know we only, we only got to, some people only got to know Jordan for the shoes, and now they see how he had an impact not only to the city of Chicago, but to the NBA and they gave a basketball at And then in, in turn, we got uh, Undertaker basically hanging up his boots. And, and it's still 30, almost 40 years into his career. And to see him go through the longevity of doing that well into his 50s, it's, it's incredible. And, and for him to uh, stay and, and be in the presence uh, and, and, and to call himself a colleague or a peer next to somebody like uh, Rick Flair, Albeit I was so small when he was when he was growing up, but even as a kid growing up, he had that same fire of him being an entertainer. Like that that character of Ric Flair is just like, like fuck, I don't want a Ric Flair shirt because of it. Like, woo! Like he had, he personifies that energy, that confidence. In it. And it's and it, yeah, You yeah. can't you
1: that. And then can't. the Undertaker itself Undertaker was one of my favorite wrestlers too, besides Steve Austin and The Rock. I loved Undertaker because number one, that was a guy who still stayed by Vince McMahon during the bad times. You know, during the early '90s when Vince started having all these weird gimmicky wrestlers, and then when he got into competition with WCW back during the Monday Night Wars, he stood firm with Vince. And it's like, and I had to give props to Undertaker because he went and evolved the character over the years to make relevance yeah. with the American Badass, which I still like. I still like the American Badass, and I do like Big Evil. And because it was another way to evolve his character, make his character more relevant. And of course, he went back to being, you know, the old school Undertaker. But at the same time, this is a man who put his body on the line, do the best he can to help out Vince and also, you know, to his fans around the world. So it's like, I would say Undertaker will be up there being one of the greatest of all time, as well, up there with Ric Flair, with Harley Race, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Steve Austin, you know, Mick Foley. All those legends up there. And, of course, Nick Foley was there la- that night as well, last Sunday night to pay tribute to the Undertaker, Jeff Hardy, because I remember Undertaker back in 2002 helped Jeff Hardy out when Jeff Hardy broke off from of Matt when they went to two separate shows, and Jeff Hardy wanted to stand out as a singles competitor. I remember Undertaker helping him out as well. Because Undertaker, that's what he did. He helped out other wrestlers. He became that locker room leader. He became, you know, someone that you want to work with. And then, you know, for this last match, the, the Boneyard match, which to me... Was the greatest match, which I do recommend you check it out because it was one of those cinematic matches. But they had to do it at time because of COVID. Because even he said, if you look, if you watched our Brooklyn School session, he said he was hoping that was going to be in the match in the ring because, but of course, due to COVID, they couldn't do that. And he, had, but he picked AJ Styles because he there's a guy that he wanted to work with at least one time, and he picked AJ Styles, which it was an honor. And then he called out to AJ. He called him on the phone and say, "Hey, I want to work with you, kid." Because he's like, that's the guy I want to work with because he reminds me of Shawn Michaels.
0: No, that's, I mean, that, like, for him to, uh, I mean, for him being so, in the, in the industry for so damn long, it's kind of like, it's always, it's always going to be, it's always going to bring, like, a, a smile to your face for someone who's like, you know, they're there to be throughout your whole career, like, or anybody going into uh, working for a certain company and being there for a long, you know, a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. and. think, seeing different cast of characters go through that organization is, you know, not everybody, you know, picks around to make it. And and, and that goes along for a lot of different jobs and and careers. Uh, You never, you never expect to be working with the same people for as long as you can. And it's always, it's like a little, a little touch of nostalgia that you get to see. I would imagine for Taker to be in there for
1: so long since the eighties and to really see, the 90s, yeah. From the brand changed the way
0: it has, and, and him kind of leaving it on a high note and, and being renowned, right, as one of the GOATs. And um, and he will be. I mean, like, no matter what, like his character might have been rebranded throughout the years, but, like, it never. He, he still have that same uh, presence of, like, all this. You know, it's a show stopping presence. And not a lot of, you know, there's only so many, there's only so many, uh, wrestlers during his time, before, and after that can capture that same lightning in a bottle, right? There's only so many, I mean, we'll still talk, and these guys are still around in here, and it's weird to that they there, like, they're, they're, we're seeing some of the great, kind of, at the end of their road, career-wise, as far as, like, we're going to hang up the boots, like, it's, it's crazy, right? Like, we, we see them from where they work, and then, to them, what the podcast the one being elite, elite actors or, or one doing stuff. You know, like there's different career avenues and it's nice to see that. Um, just from, uh, recognizing hard work, standpoint, mm-hmm. method, just putting like a wrestling on it, just as some of you, you can see, like made it out and, and lived to see detail and, and using their platform for good stuff, for to information. And think that in the so if you are injured but some you know, wrestle wrestling, I can gravitate Now that after you
1: know, hey, I, I'm not going to be surprised if he was a podcast with WWE in a heartbeat. I could see him doing something like that, to where. Or oh, being a co, or oh, being like a coach, be a coach for, for yeah, the, for before first I started helping the next generation. Because I heard that he did enjoy it. Where they brought along, he did like like lectures and stuff. For the younger talent, especially the big men, the up and coming big men are entering into the wrestling business. Because it's like, think about it. Undertaker being the size that he is and being athletic. You know, he even said back in high school he played basketball and stuff. He was an athlete. And it was just, you know, he decided to jump into something else because he got, he fell in love with wrestling, you know, falling in love you know, with, you know, being in the wrestling. And he even says, you know, being able to tag team with Harley Race in Japan was like one of the big honor that he was able to do, and working with, like I said, working with Ric Flair, working with one of the greats, you know.
0: Working with the people he was he admired growing up, and like probably you know, so it's like it's it, you know it's it's an insane feeling to be you know recognized amongst people that you could call your peers. You just it's never it's never a point you you figure out you're at until like you kind of have to. Detach and recognize. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, like some of the best they ever do it, can always have the question, like, "Am I really the best to ever doing?" It? And it's like, "Oh, I don't say that." There's other, and it's true. Like the basketball conversation is always going to be a thing of who's who's the best. Like, and frankly, it's not even that. It's just something. Why can't we recognize it as a whole that these people, these certain people, came and left such an impact the in the industry side of things that they transcend it in being cultural. I can't and not just, uh, let's say, uh, a talent mm-hmm. that can be exploited, unfortunately, through through uh, capitalistic means, and it, it, it becomes like just like anything, just how we're talking to Star Wars and people reviewing it and you know, providing critique on something like a star, like you know, properties of Star Wars, the fact that people make a big deal about Marvel's things, or Disney, like you can go on your days, obviously these can debate on, but it, uh, it's it's interesting to see the life that on uh, entertainment, or a brand, or can carry. That, 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 uh, but yeah, I, I, I like that guy, Undertaker, for having quite a run, help a career, I mean, to do it as long as he can, and it's still remain. Uh, marketable and, and valuable to that organization that it put here for like it's definitely one of the best to do it all kudos definitely check it out guys i, I feel like as someone who is at least robot about and, and watched it growing up it's, it, it's a, a, a very uh gracious moment for him mm-hmm. i that's awesome i wish him the best
1: yeah, I mean like I said um, Like I said It's like one like when, like, when you get older It's like appreciate that you're able To see it growing up It's like the, when journey. the, the journey basically And then you know being part of it Being part of your childhood It's like in this past weekend Animatics came out And it, oh. the reboot just came out I just finished binging it Which I do want to discuss that in the next episode You guys still watch it to see, I'm, cause I want to get your opinion on it because it's, you know, when they announced it two years ago that it was getting rebooted, people, I got excited because it's like almost like a 90s and it come back. But the fact that Spielberg still wants, they asked Spielberg to approach him and bring it back. And bring back most of the original cast to reprise their roles and they are having fun doing it. That was great. Making it what it was because it was a show that came out in the 90s. And was targeted at kids But actually hit more of the adult market Because of the whole pop culture meta humor That it provided at the same time So that's something I do want to discuss On a future episode Once you be go pretty much watched Animaniacs I think it's only 13 episodes on Hulu right now So that oh, So uh, I already watched it I'm probably going to rewatch it again Just to pick off a few things that I like about With some things I kind of like Felt the jokes kind of don't hit off right away But I want you to go ahead, take a chance to look at it, just so that way you can have an opinion about it and see what you think of it. Because to me, I was excited when it was announced and when it came out last Friday, you know, that was cool. Like, seeing it again, you know, revisiting something that we grew up as well. Like I said, it's the whole nostalgia market that's hitting us right now. That's one of the things that's helping right now through this time that we're going through, and it's because of that. So, definitely check out MAX on Hulu, the reboot guys, so you can... It's 13 episodes. They're gonna another season because, like I said, they got picked up for two seasons. And once again, check out Undertaker, the last ride a documentary. It's a five-part documentary series. Check out the matches. You know, WWE never has so much stuff you can take a look at and check out. You can check out his matches, the people he worked with. Check out Steve Austin's Broken Skull Sessions, especially the two he does with Taker because that was the first episode he did was with Undertaker. It's almost like a podcast. It's basically what it is. It's like a podcast. But what I like about the Brooklyn Skull Sessions, but he does with a lot of wrestlers, but you get to see their stories down the road. And Art Ticker has a lot of good stories. And that's why he when he said when he broke kayfabe, he's like, it's great because now I can tell these stories about the business. Because back then with wrestlers, it's like you had to be in character all the time. Especially when you're doing public appearances and interviews, you got to stay in character. And when he said that last year was... Of kind of like a weight off his chest because now when he's doing interviews and stuff. He gets to talk about what happened behind the scenes and stuff. Because it, it's like that whole mystique has now been open Because I mean, you got the internet age. Of course, you can read about the dirt seats. We know it's a production, but it's cool to see the stories they saw growing up. Because you only, like I said, you only see the rushes you get on TV or if you go to a live event, Who knows what you went not be behind the scenes? Because it, being a rusher both well, probably hard because you had to like travel from town to town. So, definitely, like I said, definitely, guys, definitely check out Undertaker The Last Ride. Check out his matches on WWE Network. If you don't have it already, definitely check it out. Like I said, thank you, Undertaker. Thank you for 30 years of blood, sweat, and tears and providing us with plenty of entertainment. You know, salute to you next in Denver. And you will always be remembered.
0: Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think it's... Yeah, uh, RIP to a career, but uh, all the blessings, and I'll wish him all the best on his next November, And, and you know, I, he, th- it won't be the last uh, for wrestling fans to see him. And I'm sure he'll be around. You know, they're gonna use him. I mean, they used Rick Flair up all the time still, and, and so I don't, I don't see him. I don't see him staying away too much, too long. You know, but he should definitely retire. He should definitely enjoy his retirement. And a lot of, it's a lot of travel, just a lot of.
1: Taking up the body. Alright, so we'll just wrap it up here. So thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Make sure to check out the backlog of our episodes on Anchor, Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and also iHeartRadio. You can check out our Twitter. You can follow us at Twitter at PopTalking, all one word. Um, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook dot com slash talk and pop. We can put links to the episodes on there. If you have any questions, you can post on there as well. Support the podcast as you can. We do have a Patreon. It's patreon dot com slash talk pop. So thank you so much for joining us this week, and have a happy Thanksgiving. Stay safe. <laughs> any last words, Beekles, before we sign off? Uh, happy, happy Turkey Day to people who enjoy
0: that sort of thing. <laughs> um, I just. Hope everyone stays safe out there and try not to expose yourself too much to COVID. Uh, just, you know, keep keep safe. You no know, triple Ws, wash your hands, right? Wear a mask and uh, watch your distance. So, yeah, just do your best to, to be considerate with others, guys. Just be considerate and be nice. Not that hard.
1: Okay. Once again, thank you so much to Anchor and Poddex for sponsoring our podcast. Thank you so much. As always, everybody, geek on and take care. Hey, it's the franchise from Talkin' Pop at the Franchise and just Let you know, we have a storefront. It's teespring.com slash Talkin' Pop. We got shirts. We got tank tops for men, women, kids. We also got hoodies and sweatshirts. Um, we actually have coffee mugs and we have an iPhone case and a Samsung case with the Pops or Not logo on there. Also, we have stickers so you can put on your locker, on your laptop, wherever you want to put those stickers on there. So right now, if you go to teespring.com talkingpop and when you go to check out, use the promo code TalkPOP and save $5 on your order. Support the podcast. As always, geek on and take care.